are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It is Tuesday, September 18th, 2018. Penn State, uh, has a quick week this week with a Friday game coming up against Illinois. So Nittany Lions are just three more days from game day, even though it's only Tuesday. A weird experience playing on a Friday night for sure. We're going to get into that a little bit on today's show. That will be one of my three things to know this week, which is coming up in the first portion of this show. And we're also going to be joined later by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times, We're going to talk about Penn State's preparation for playing a Friday game and also get his take on where Penn State is after its non-conference schedule. So Penn State going into Big Ten play on Friday night in Champaign, Illinois against Lovey Smith's Illini, who aren't very good again this year. It seems like it, I don't know if anyone's going to be able to get Illinois back to a contending Big Ten team, but maybe. And I will say Penn State did lose its last game out there, so don't take it for granted. But Illinois is not that good this year. Uh, We did recap the Kent State game on Monday's show if you are looking for information and analysis from that. So that's on Monday's show. We also had Big Ten power rankings on that show as well if you're looking for our weekly update from across the conference. So that's all on Monday's show. But looking at today's show, we're going to get started with the three things I think Penn State fans need to know this week. And number one is that Friday games are weird. Penn State is playing this game September 21st, 9 p.m. Eastern in Illinois. The Big Ten wants to do this. It is their prerogative. They think that these games are are better for for the conference and good to, to brand some uh, some of their lower, smaller market teams with not super big national followings and get them in front of a national audience on a night when honestly, like I don't I don't think that many people are going to be sitting around just watching TV hoping for a Big Ten football game to be on. But I guess that's what the Big Ten thought was going to happen, and. I will, again, Penn State's not going to play one of these games at home. And uh, a lot of the big-name schools, Ohio State, Michigan, you won't see them sacrificing a Saturday just so uh, Jim Delaney and the Big Ten can make them play a Friday night home game. Uh, but it's still an odd... It creates an odd schedule for Penn State. It's kind of like how they do Thursday night football in the NFL just for TV. Uh, no one really likes it. It moves their week up a lot. It, it changes things around. It makes a short week for players. And coaches and players both hate it, but the team, uh, the, the NFL does it for ratings, and that's kind of what the Big Ten is trying to do here. Albeit it's not as drastic of a shift, only moving up one day, but it still throws you out of a rhythm, and it just seems unnecessary. And it's just weird to, like, to watch college football on a Friday night at 9 o'clock is, is odd, and I'm sure it's going to be weird for anyone traveling to the game. Uh People who like to go to the road games have to make different arrangements to, to take off work and etc. So that that's going to be odd too. It's just a weird thing. This is only the sixth regular season Friday night game that Penn State has ever played. 
that stat is from Lou Prado, uh, Penn State football historian, on Twitter. He tweeted about all the the six or the five previous uh, night games that Penn State has played. They played a, a handful of regular season Friday games because Pitt and Penn State used to play on Black Friday nearly every year, so that was not super uncommon there. And a lot of the times you'll see these Friday games maybe on Labor Day weekend, which is the week one of the regular season, or on Black Friday, which is typically the last week of the regular season. And those games make some sense to me. But playing on a random Friday night in September, I I, I don't really understand it making a big difference for the Big Ten, but they want to give it a shot. I don't think it's going to be well-received from players, from coaches, or from fans. Uh, so it's, it's different, unique for Penn State. I still expect them to not struggle with Illinois, but it just makes the whole experience kind of worse. Uh, it's much more fun when you have a, a Saturday watching college football where you can have people over, watch the Penn State game, watch the game after that or before that, flip between other good games on TV. Friday night, you're just, you know, you might be tired from a long week of work or you might have other things to do or other priorities, and watching Penn State play Illinois at 9 o'clock is probably not on the top of everyone's to-do list. It will be a unique experience for sure. All right, moving on. Second thing I think Penn State fans need to know this week is that the Ohio State game is officially a night game. It is 7.30, ABC, September 29th. Uh, Ohio State and Penn State made that announcement on Monday. And I I mean, they haven't announced it yet. College game day typically makes its announcements on Saturday night for the following week, but I would go ahead and, and, and assume that college game day is also going to be there. Not only is this game on the, the ESPN Family of Networks, the schedule that week's not great. Stanford does visit Notre Dame that week. Probably going to be a top 10 matchup, but game day has already been at Notre Dame this year. No conference implications, obviously, there with Notre Dame. It it would be shocking to me if this is not a uh, the college game day location for that week, week five of the season. Obviously, no shortage of storylines with what's going on with Urban Meyer, who just came back. He actually had some interviews on ESPN come out this this week, and he had a big press conference on Monday uh, as he returned after a three-game suspension for how he mishandled domestic out, uh, abuse allegations against a former assistant coach. But, I mean, it is going to be the most talked-about game that week, and it could decide the Big Ten. So Penn State, Ohio State, at night, officially, also not not yet officially on game day, but I would expect that announcement Saturday. All right, and the third thing I think Penn State fans should know this week is Penn State's offense is scoring at a historic rate. It can get it gets kind of lost, and, and it's almost like you can take it for granted as a Penn State fan now with the offense scoring 30, 40, 50 points a game. And that's where Penn State is right now. Penn State has 159 points through three games, 45 the first week, 51 against Pitt, and then following it up with a 63-point performance against Kent State on Saturday. The 159 points is the third most in team's history through three games, not playing the super, you know, high, high-quality opponents, and they did go to overtime to get some of those points. But the third most in school history only in 2008 uh, with Daryl Clark under center. Did Penn State have more in its first three games? That was uh, they had 166 that year, 10 years ago. And while there are, you just looking at this Penn State team, there are areas of concern 
around, but they're mostly on the defensive side of the ball. There's And the offense could even be better with the receivers dropping some balls and some dumb penalties here and there. But there really haven't been those concerns on offense about losing Saquon Barkley, losing Mike Gusecki, losing Joe Moorhead that might have been there before because it seems like it's basically the same thing. Miles Sanders has stepped up in a huge way. Trace McSorley looks like Trace McSorley. And Ricky Ronnie is is keeping this offense going as if Joe Moorhead was running it. Side note, Joe Moorhead did send a care package to Penn State the other day. James Franklin tweeted that out. So there's clearly still a little, a good friendship there, a bromance, if you will, between uh, Joe Moorhead and James Franklin. So they're still in good standing there. Uh, but it, it kind of seems like if, if if you just told me that Joe Moorhead was still running this offense, I'd be like, oh, okay, I believe that <laughs> if I didn't know any better. So Penn State scoring a ton. I expect them to score more this week against Illinois. And it and it's easy to, to expect this from Penn State now, but if you go back as recently as 2015 under that John Donovan offensive coordinator, when he was the offensive coordinator under that offense, they barely scored 30 points a game. They didn't. They only did it three times. In 2015, Penn State scored 30 points or more only three times. They've played 30 games since the end of the 2015 season. They've scored 30 points in 25 of those games. So it's almost it's it's happening almost every time Penn State takes the field, and the offense is capable of a lot of things. So while it's easy to take it for granted and look at the other since some areas of concern on the other side of the ball. It's good to appreciate how prolific Penn State's offense has been so far in 2018. All right, so later on the show, we are going to be joined by John McGonigal. We'll get his take on the non-conference schedule and also kind of how Penn State is preparing for its uh, for its Big Ten season and for this weird Friday game. Uh, but first, I want to tell you a little bit about Locked On Nittany Lions sponsor, My Bookie. Football With football season comes uh, betting season kind of ramps up, and I know a lot of people are checking the final score, but they're also checking who's covering the spread. So I want to remind my listeners that who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, my bookie is your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is super easy to use. I mean, my bookie is is the go-to place to, to put down your bets. Uh, and we also have a special promo here with Locked On Nittany Lions. If you go to my bookie and enter the promo code ONCOLLEGE25, my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar on deposits up to $1,000. That's my, or, excuse me, that's my bookie and the promo code on college 25 O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E-2-5. Enter that promo code and my bookie will match your deposit. And also a- another special offer, my bookie is getting slammed right now with new betters. And to give everyone the best service possible, it is asking new members to make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you do that, you'll get a $25 additional free play on deposits over $100. So if you wait till later in the day after you're done with work, after you're done with everything else and make that bet after 7 o'clock Eastern, you'll get an extra $25 with MyBookie. So make sure to use the promo code ONCOLLEGE25 with MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. 
Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. I am joined now by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. John, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Of course, man. It's my, one of my favorite parts of the week, so thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the week, of the week as well. Uh, John, real quick before we dive in too deep here, I kind of want to get your take now that the dust has settled on the Kent State game. I want to get your take on where you see Penn State after this non-conference conference slate just overall. Obviously, you have a near loss in week one against Appalachian State and then followed up by winning by a combined 98 points in week two. So there's some ups, some downs there. Where do you, where do you see things with Penn State after three games? It's really weird because you, you could – you know, you could really overreact after that first game, almost losing at home to App State, you know, on on one end of the spectrum. Then you could really overreact to them going into Pitt and beating them by 45 points. I, I still think this is a team with issues. I think, uh, I, I you know, I don't really think the rush defense was tested at all by Kent State. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was tested at Pitt, and that's something that once you get into the Big Ten slate, when you're playing teams like not just Ohio State, but Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, that run defense will be tested. Uh, you have still have issues with drops. I mean, the, the drop issue that mm-hmm. Jawan Johnson and DeAndre Tompkins dealt with throughout the first two weeks kind of rubbed off on their teammates uh, against Kent State. So that's still a, that's still a thing. But this is a team that look has a lot of talent, and they're showing it uh, with you know not just Trace McSorley and not just KJ Hamler and Miles Sanders, but you know Michael Parsons is making an impact. Uh, true freshman tight end Pat Fryermuth is stepping up. I mean, they got a lot of these young guys. They're stepping in the big roles and can only, you know, should only grow from this point forward. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, again, you'd probably want that Ohio State game to not be in September for a team like this, but they are showing improvement from where they were two weeks ago, at least. So that that's a good sign. Uh, a guy who, who everyone knew was going to be great and has been great in the first three weeks is Trace McSorley. Over the summer, I know you and... Center Daily Times sports editor Josh Moyer put together a list. Uh, it was a poll with various media members and other Penn State uh, players and people in the Penn State football community of, of ranking the top 10 Penn State quarterbacks. And you actually did that at every position. So I encourage fans, if they haven't seen it, to check those out. Uh, and Trace McSorley was number four, I believe. Is that correct on that list? I think, it, yeah, I think it was. It was yeah. uh, a, lot of, a lot of lists, a lot of time ago. But <laughs> right. I, I think... I think he came in at four. I yeah. put him a little higher than that. But yeah, okay, the, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, he's already – it's probably going to be almost every Saturday from here on out he'll be rewriting some sort of record at Penn State. Own- right, yeah, sometimes <laughs> his own records. And now, like, he passed Daryl Clark for most rushing touchdowns by a Penn State QB on Saturday. He now has 1,000 rushing yards in his career, which has been a very rare thing at Penn State. Uh, just where where do you think he could end up on this all-time list – if his trajectory for this season continues, is, is is there a pretty fair chance that he could be number one? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the guys that were ahead of him. I think it was it was, um, it was Kerry Collins mm-hmm. and I think Todd Black yeah. and maybe Chuck Cena was number three. Um, yeah, no, he can end up at one. I I don't see any any reason for that. I mean, he's going to have the stats, and you look at what Kerry Collins did in '94. That season was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, it's a different game now, so the stats are going to be different. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you look at that guy; he, he's going to, you know, he's seventeen and zero right now at home. Yeah. If he if he navigates this season without a loss at home, that means he's beating Ohio State, yeah. he's beating Michigan State, he's beating Wisconsin and Iowa. Uh, 
And I don't think he needs to go undefeated at home to still be the number one quarterback in Penn State history. He might be the most beloved player in recent memory. I mean, in the last 20, 25 years, just for what he's done for the program and how he's kind of led this team. You know, I mentioned in my story on Saturday, you know, over the past two years, Saquon Barkley drew the headlines and Moorhead drew up the plays, but it's been kind of, you know, Penn State has gone as far as McSorley has taken them. So yeah, I think he'll end up at number one and, and you know, if they end up with nine wins at the end of the regular season or 12, I still think that can be true. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think, I think kind of the difference will be if they go nine and three or 10 and two, again, 11 and two, whatever this season, it will be kind of open for debate. Like Kerry Collins had that 94 season. McSorley has that big 10 title, but you know, they still had a couple losses that year. I think if he does, if they, if they win another big 10 title, I don't think it's a question of where he ends up. I think it's, it's definitely him and, but yeah, I think that's going to be open to interpretation, and we'll hear a lot more talk on his, you know, greatest Penn State quarterback or one of the best Penn State players of all time. Definitely, as the season goes on. Put it this way, Stephen, I'll be writing a. I'm already planning a big kind of trace story for the end of the season, kind of addressing that. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a topic of discussion uh, once this regular season kind of whittles down. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing Trace McSorley has not done in his career or any Penn State players on this roster, for that matter, have uh, played a Friday night college game, which is the which is happening for Penn State this week. Uh, it's the first time they're doing this. The Big Ten has introduced this in the last two years, I guess. Uh, yeah. Pat or um, Jim Delaney, excuse me, wants to you know brand them. He thinks that it's a better branding opportunity for the conference. I know a lot of players and coaches don't like it. Uh, how has Penn State addressed that so far this week, and how are they preparing to playing earlier than usual? Yeah, so I think I think the main thing with Delaney is that he wants to be able to put some of these teams like Illinois in the national spotlight when they otherwise wouldn't. So that's why you're you're not going to have these you know absurdly good games on Friday night. Right, it's, it's the games against the lower teams. But yeah, I mean, look, so so James Franklin certainly. He hates Friday night games. He hates it more than people asking about Pitt during Akron week. He hates it. He, he doesn't like it at, at all. Uh, you know, when when you look at what they're doing this week, uh, they're, you know, they're practicing Monday. They normally have that day off. They're flying out on Thursday, getting into Champaign. Uh, James actually, after uh, the Kent State game, talked about how it was a, it was a pretty good um, – it, it was a benefit to get his starters – basically out of the game uh, by the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, because they you know didn't have to play and kind of rest up a little bit, um, you know, ahead of this Friday night game, you know, so it's going to be weird. Uh, Penn state is Penn state among a few other teams in the big 10, uh, you know, came out with a strong stance when the Friday night games were announced saying that, you know, Beaver stadium will never host Friday night games, except if it's the Friday after Thanksgiving which would be interesting because that uh, that is when Penn State and Pitt used to play back in the day. It was the after uh, Thanksgiving. So otherwise, you know, you're not going to see a Friday night game at, at Beaver Stadium. Um, and James kind of hopes that you won't see them play many Friday night games, period, moving forward. But I do believe they play Wisconsin on a Friday night. Maybe it's next year or the year after uh, at Wisconsin. So that, so that should be even more interesting than, than, than Friday night against Illinois. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but this is – I don't think it's going to be better for pretty much anyone. I, I mean, there will be more people watching the Big Ten Network, but sure. <laughs> like, I, yeah, it's not. It's 
I think this is a relatively failed experiment and hopefully it goes away sooner than later. But because I think Jim Delaney's, you know, the big 10 offices reasoning on this is okay. Uh, Penn state and Illinois would normally be buried at noon right. on big 10 network. Let's put it on at like nine o'clock on Fox sports one and see if that gets any more viewers. And it probably will. But like when you, when you're, when you're, you know, angering one of your top programs in the country. And it just, it's, I don't know. I'm sure Illinois loves it because they get a night game and they get Penn sure. State on FS1. And I'm, right. I'm sure they like it, but uh, a lot of the big programs in your conference don't. So yeah, I, I kind of hope it goes away too. And plus traveling to Champaign is not fun. Yeah. <laughs> not no, fun. I mean, I mean, Penn State gets the luxury of flying, but right. you know, any, any fans who like to road trip to games, like, you have to take off at least on Friday. Like you're, I mean, you might have to do that anyway to go to Champagne, but it just, it creates a, a headache and it just, it, it feels, it, it feels weird. And I, the upsides do not seem worth it to me at least, but hopefully this is over soon. All right. We got to step away for a break really quickly. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to get John's take on uh, some superlatives from the non-conference season. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Football season is back, and so is the chance to win big with FanDuel. You don't have to be a fantasy expert to win with FanDuel, and it's never been more fun or easier to play. This year, FanDuel has more ways to win than ever before with games like Gridiron Pick'em, Guru, and Beat the Score. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start playing. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right, we are back here on Locked On Nittany Lions with John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. John, with Penn State's non-conference schedule in the books here for 2018, uh, I want to look back at these these three games and hand out a few superlatives uh, for the first three weeks of Penn State's season. So I will open that up to you now and... uh, asking what was the most memorable play from Penn State's first three games this year? There have been a few, but, you know, I got to go with K.J. Hamler's kickoff return in the fourth quarter against App State that really sparked sparked Penn State. And, look, I I think if he doesn't do that, uh, I think Penn State loses uh, to the Mountaineers because they had had no rhythm whatsoever. They were on their heels, and they needed a spark. And – Look, the thing, the funny thing is, so KJ wanted to bring out a kick return all game, and you know the up back was just like keeping him in the end zone, like no, 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 take take a knee, take mm-hmm. a knee, and you could see him, you know, going through his head, and he just decided, screw it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go make a play, and that's what he did, uh, and might have saved Penn State's season. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you. That's the first play that came to mind for me, and if you think about the top five plays or so from the first three weeks, I think KJ Hamler's evolved in. At uh, least three of them. Yeah, yeah, maybe four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is he is fun to watch. All right. Uh, so James Franklin, after Saturday's game, uh, said the team still has some funk on it, needs a little more deodorant. Mm-hmm. Uh, after these first three weeks, what do you think is the biggest area of funk for Penn State? Oh boy. Um, I mean, you could go, you can go run defense because, like I said, I don't think Kent State tested them, but I'm going to go with the drops because. Mm-hmm. You have a guy in Juwan Johnson who 
you know, I talked to a scout in the in the summer, and he was talking about Jawan as a potential first round pick. And he goes out there, and he is, you know, he misses three balls uh, against App State. He drops one at Pitt. You know, he dropped another one. Uh, it wasn't really a drop, but he didn't. He just didn't, didn't turn like, around. He didn't turn around yeah. the ball like as if he didn't know the ball was going to be thrown to him. So he's had a really rough start to the year. Uh, and and then you have DeAndre dropping two would-be touchdowns at Pitt. He rebounded at Kent State, but then it rubbed off on, you know, like Brandon Polk, a guy whose reliability earned him a co-starter nod with Tompkins, you know, leading up to the Kent State game. And then he had one go through his hands. So uh, I think for, you know, for the passing game going forward, when you have Ohio State coming to, you know, Beaver Stadium in two weeks with that defense, you need to be clicking. And so I, mm-hmm. I think the drops, the drops are the big issue. Yeah, yeah. Trace McSorley's completion percentage is really, really taking a dive. Not for his own fault, but it's not. It's not very good. It's hovering around fifty percent. Right. Put it this way: so he was eleven for twenty-two uh, against Kent State with four drops. So yeah. you figure if, the, if those guys just catch the ball, you know, he has four more. Not only you know four more completions, but then he doesn't have to throw two or three more passes after the fact to get right. whatever. So his. You know, he could have been looking at like a 15 of 18 performance, not a 11 of 22 on Saturday. Yeah. Also could have had like 100 more yards if there weren't a couple holding calls. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's this, another. Maybe, maybe yeah, the Kent State game, maybe that'll cost him the Heisman. I doubt it. But uh, moving on, and Trace McSorley might be in this conversation here too. Who is your offensive MVP of the first three weeks? I'm going to go with – look, I could you could go with Trace. You could go with Caden, mm-hmm. considering what he does. I'm going to go with Miles Sanders. We kind of expected him to do well, but for him to come out and, and just run the way that he's run. There was a there was a run down by the goal line against Kent State. He ended up not getting in the end zone, but he it was a spin move, and then he basically just drug two guys with him, like an extra three yards. And it's like, damn, like that, that's that, – like those are the kind of runs that – I forget who it was in the press box, but they actually said, like, he looks like a shiftier Tony Hunt. And, like, that's – I like that comparison because he runs with power. He runs with purpose. He, for the most part, he gets, you know, north-south. And so I, I like what Miles has been able to do. Uh, obviously, he had the big game at Pitt in his hometown game. Uh, I'm not sold on the running back rotation deal they got going on. Mark Allen had a nice game against Penn State. But I think when they get into the Big Ten slate – you know, past Illinois, when you get to Ohio State and the big boys, I think you're going to see Miles getting 25 carries a game, and he's really going to show what he can do. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really settled any concern that there might be trouble at running back or not the same uh, a drop-off in production. He has really, really stepped up in the first three weeks. Yeah. All right, and the last one here, John, uh, other side of the ball, who is your defensive MVP uh, from Penn State's non-conference schedule this year? Uh, I'm going to go with Amani. Over Warrior, you know, just don't throw a jump ball to the guy. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Hey, it did work for Kent State one it time. Did. <laughs> he actually did beat, yeah. But, you know, his playmaking can just kind of change the game. And, you know, when you look at the you know, the pickings are kind of slim on defense. Uh, you know, the defensive line did really well against Kent State, not so much the first two games. Jan Johnson has a lot of tackles, but it's more mm-hmm. so he's like, being yeah. put in that position because he has to, uh, you know, make those tackles because the front four weren't doing their job first two weeks. I like what Tariq Castro-Fields has done, uh, you mm-hmm. know, without John Reed uh, for two games. Uh, the, the sophomore started twice, and I think it's played pretty well. Uh, and I think Micah Parsons and Lamont Wade are making some strides, but I would go Amani. Just his, his playmaking, the interceptions, um, 
you know, yeah, just don't throw a jump ball at the guy, and you'll probably yeah. you might be fine. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good idea. All yeah. right, John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. You can find him on Twitter at jmcgonigal9. Thank you, as always, for joining us here, and uh, enjoy the short week and your, your trip to Champaign. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, have a good one. So that's it for today's Locked On Nittany Lions. Thank you for listening. If you're in search of recap and analysis of the Penn State-Kent State game, you can find that on Monday's show. And while you're looking for that episode or any other episode of Locked On Nittany Lions on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts, please make sure to subscribe to the show. Also download it, leave us a rating, a review. That really, really helps us out. And uh, we really appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can find us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. We are also on Facebook. You can email the show. It's LockedOnNittanyLions at gmail.com. And you can also find me, Steven Pianovich, on Twitter at SPianovich. That's S-P-I-A-N-O-V-I-C-H. Thank you so much for your feedback. We really, really appreciate it. We'll be back later in the week. We're going to keep previewing this Illinois game, and we'll look a little bit ahead to the Ohio State game as well. I'll talk to you later.